Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Talking Twilight Zone. Shut up and listen. There's all kinds of ways to get hold of money. I've tried everything. You have not tried everything. Now shut up and listen. Where are we now? We're right in front of the furniture store. I don't mean that, stupid. I mean, how far away from the delicatessen? Please, not so loud. Why, is there anyone around? No, no, but please, be quiet. Tell me when we're in front of our mark. Now what? I I lost my footing. It's very dark. Good, that's a break. Are we on the sidewalk now? Yes. Yes, now we're right in front of the delicatessen. Is the coast clear? Yes. There's absolutely no one around. Okay, then stop wasting time. Move! some interrogations that went on for many months. I remember one particular man who smoked a long cigarette in the holder, stood in a corner nodding and smiling while I went from agony to agony. 
So, Major, may we dispense with the amenities, the masquerades, the little give and take between two strangers feeling each other out. Now we get to the point. Did you honestly think we would permit you to book passage on an aircraft out of here? Impossible. As a former member of the military, even as far back as 12 years ago, you possess information that we would find embarrassing to have released elsewhere. So, it's not really to our advantage that you leave here. Discussions of television's greatest blending of science, superstition, imagination, and you're invited along. We'll be talking Twilight Zone. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm your host, Lynn, for Talking Twilight Zone, and I'm here with uh, Robert and Bobby and Dave and Rick Wall. Hello, everybody. Howdy. Hi. Hello. Cleveland Rocks. Cleveland Rocks. Hi. Hi. Are you, uh, isn't the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there? Yeah, um, actually, um, I'm 12, mi- uh, 12 minutes away from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, um, I went to visit that. You ever been there? Ago. Yeah, we were there, um, uh, what was it, about seven, eight years ago, probably. It was uh-huh. where they had, they had the Pink Floyd exhibition uh-huh. there at the time uh-huh. we were there. But, um, yeah, uh, welcome to where I'm in, which is snowy. 
Cleveland, actually Independence, Ohio, which is um, um, a part of Cleveland. You might as well say suburb of. And right yeah. next to Parma, remember the famous Parma song that Drew Carey would sing in his opening um, oh, Drew yeah. Carey song. Moon over Parma, bring my love to me tonight. Guide her to Cleveland underneath your silvery light. We're going bowling, so don't lose her in Solon. Moon over Parma tonight. Yeah. yeah. Got about that. Now, I visited the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame about, uh, I guess, about 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago, and it was great. I loved it. I really loved it. I'd sure like to go back there again someday. It was a lot of fun. The only problem is nobody knows how to use snow plows here. (laughs) We got here, there's a whole bunch of snow, and it has been plowed. That's always fun to try to to get through. So we had a millionth of an inch snow flurries, though. Millions under the inch, that's right. I was telling the guys before we started the show that uh, we had flurries this morning. They were talking two to three inches, and all we got was a little dusting on the cars. I brushed it off with my uh, scraper brush, and right now the sun's shining brightly, and there's just a few little flurries falling down. So, you know, it's it's it hasn't, so far it hasn't been anything to, like what they've predicted the past uh, month and a half, but... I was going to say we hit whiteout conditions um, off and on coming up. Uh, those yeah, days. that's what we were supposed to have here, but we didn't. So happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Yes, today is Valentine's Day, and a happy one to everybody. I hope uh, everyone's going to have a pleasant one today. Maybe you have dinner plans or whatever for this evening. But right now we have two, 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 two for the price of one Twilight episodes uh, from season five to discuss, and the first one is called Caesar and Me, and the second one is called The Jeopardy Room. And Robert, since he is not here to do our clip, uh, he will fill oh, that in. Yeah, yeah, he'll fill that in later on. But uh, to start us off, uh, Caesar and Me is our first one. Jonathan West, ventriloquist, a master of voice manipulation. A man late of Ireland with a talent for putting words into other people's mouths. In this case, the other person is a dummy aptly named Caesar. A small splinter with large ideas. A wooden tyrant with a mind and a voice of his own. Who is about to talk Jonathan West into the Twilight Zone. Basically, Snopsis is Jonathan West. He's an unsuccessful Irish ventriloquist. He's broke. He's selling valuable keepsakes like his grandfather's watch to pawnbrokers to get some money. And he's living in a boarding house. And uh, in that boarding house, he is mercilessly taunted by this little, rotten little girl, Susan, for failing to find a job. But unbeknownst to everyone, Jonathan's evil ventriloquist dummy, little Caesar, has a mind of his own, and he talks to Jonathan whenever he feels like it. And... uh, Despite Jonathan's reassurances that they're on the verge of this big break, Caesar basically tells them that they've hit rock bottom. And then when Jonathan turns around, Caesar goes, Great Caesar's ghost! (laughs) Great Caesar's ghost! (laughs) So they go to a nightclub and they do an audition. Of course, the audition doesn't go very well. So... The following day, Jonathan tries to find a job. He can't find a job. So he might have to leave the boarding house because he's very behind on his rent. 
And Caesar tells Jonathan that he's a hopeless clod, but, however, he has a solution to their money problems. Burglary. Now, Jonathan's not crazy about the burglary idea, but he listens to Caesar and he breaks into a delicatessen and steals some money. And he eats a Caesar salad afterwards. (laughs) He pays his rent, and then Caesar, he pressures him into committing more burglaries. But unfortunately, the little rotten, horrible little girl Susan hears the conversation. She sneaks into the room, and she tries to talk to Caesar, but he's not going to talk to her. And then Jonathan catches her coming out of his room. She gives him a lot of back talk. Well, after that, Caesar talks Jonathan burglarizing the nightclub where they gave their audition, and they almost get caught. They don't get caught, but they almost get caught. And then the next morning, bratty little Susan finds out about the nightclub burglary, calls the cops on Jonathan, and then they arrive. And uh, Jonathan tries to get Caesar to tell the detectives about his role in the crime. Of course, that doesn't happen. And Jonathan is arrested. So poor Jonathan, you know, he's on his way to the big house. And then uh, after they leave, Caesar starts talking to Susan, tells her that she should run off to New York with them. They're going to do well together. And then he tells her she should kill her aunt with poison darts because they're now a team. Isn't that just lovely? And there well, was a picture on the wall with an H that says simply Caesar on it. <laughs> oh, man, what a story. Lousy ventriloquist lives in a boarding house with a creepy dummy. He's got an obnoxious, downright bitch. A bitch of a little girl named Susan for a neighbor. Oh, God, she was a horrible little girl. His landlady's a nice person, but unfortunately the, the little creep girl is her nosy niece, and the dummy is able to convince West, who hasn't got a spine anyway, that he'll never survive unless he turns into a thief. He robs a deli, pays his friend, and he almost gets caught robbing the nightclub. You know, it's, it's, ah. And of course, you know, Susan, she's the bratty bitch. She does the eavesdropping, turns him in, and she's just a little creep. I couldn't stand that little a-hole. I wanted to take her and twist her into a million pieces. But it's of course, the ending, it shows her getting chummy with Caesar the dummy. Chummy with the dummy. You know, we only can hope that he destroys her the way he destroyed Jonathan. No, actually, he's going to destroy her because he told her to kill her aunt and start a new life for them. And so the evil little crumb snatching creep is going to end up in a detention center. Yay! I just wanted to break her arms. But anyway, overall, the story was a dud, and it was a sequel Two, season three, he's the dummy with Cliff Robertson. I wasn't crazy about that episode either, but this one's a lot worse. You know, I suppose Jackie Cooper's character can garner some sympathy from the viewers, but, you know, how can you feel that bad for a guy who lets a hunk of wood run his life? And that kid, oh, that kid, I just hated her. So, you know, but Jackie Cooper, he had a decent career. He went on to play many other roles and most memorably, Curry White the uh, editor of uh, the newspaper and all four of Christopher Reeve's Superman movies. But I can't say anything good about this one. I didn't like it. It's a rehash, and I, I give it a one. I, I don't know. I guess it deserves a one and not a zero, but I give it a one. So, Robert. Yes, thank you, Lynn. Yeah, um, when I wrote this review, I kind of had another thing. Where my, do- my father passed away 
during that time. So I was just thinking, oh, that's everybody. right. I remember that. Yes. Yeah, he was seventy-two, and um, um, it was an unfortunate time. But you know, I appreciated everybody's thoughts and condolences. So, yeah, this um, uh, season three episode, the dummy, like you said, I basically felt that the the writer of this story probably took elements of that to add into this because it very it felt very familiar. Um, even though she was the first woman writer and um, for the Twilight Zone, um, she also went on to do some other things, too, if I remember. Um, I just don't re- remember it right off the bat. Um, and I agree with you when Little Girl was just being a Annoying and thrown fuel into the what you would say the metaphorical fire there, and we had the betrayal of Caesar to Jonathan very well at the end. Or Caesar knew the gravy train was over, and it was time to move on, so he hooked up um, his wagon to the little girl. But one of the things that this did remind me of, and um, probably both Rick Wall and and um, Dave would know what I'm talking about, was from season one, Buffy. Um, I think it was the talent show. I think it was episode seven or episode eight in season one. I can't remember where um, um, the um, um, school put on a talent show, and one of the guys um, was a ventriloquist, and he had a dummy, and supposedly it was this... Um, there's some kind of murder going on there, and they were uh, um, interviewing people, and Buffy and the gang get kind of... Oh, yeah. The uh, dummy was a detective, though. He wasn't the murderer. Right. And supposedly, he was changed into the dummy, supposedly. But, um, no, yeah, he the possessed got, the dummy. Yeah, the principal got everybody involved, and even though they didn't want to be, because they were making fun of Giles. Remember that? Yep. <laughs> but that, yeah, that reminds me that there was also a, um, and I mentioned this in the um, when we reviewed the dummy. There's a Friday the um, Friday the Thirteenth, the series episode where a ventriloquist dummy is brought to life by uh, a curse object. So, um, I mean, we've seen um, stuff like this magic, the movie Magic, Burgess Meredith, Anthony Hopkins. And, Mentioned that in the past as well. Oh yeah. Mhm. I know. Um, it, I know he was a doll, but Chucky. Yep. Oh yeah. So, uh, like I said, it's been done time and time. It's a lot better than in this episode. Um, for Jackie being in it, it, it's sad that he ended up. And I mean. We've commented in the past how we felt that some of the actors and actresses were wasted in the, the episodes they did. Um, but I gave this a one out of five. Okay. So, uh, that's just me. Okay. Bobby. All right. Well, I really don't have anything to say about this because I didn't have anything to say about it in my review. In fact, I didn't write a review. I simply went back and posted a couple of paragraphs from my review of the other episode with the dummy in it because it takes colossal gall to not just bring back a, the same story, but to bring back the same prop in the, in the dummy. I mean, I don't know. How stupid are we? We're not going to notice that. 
It really is quite shocking. Just, it never ceases to amaze me. It just gets worse from week to week to week. So it's, uh, it's the same story. I mean, at this point, I guess there's so little money left at this point for the series that there's just nothing to spend. You, gotta, you can't pay anybody to write a new story, an original story, and you don't have any money to make any new scenery or new props or anything. So you just, uh, you know, I, I, I will give Rod Serling credit for continuing to the end of the series because if it had been me, I don't think I would have done it. I think I would have, even, even breaking the contract, I would have said to CBS, you know, you're making it impossible for me to run this show, so why don't we just quit now and get it over with? It's pretty ugly stuff, and really is tragic to see it come down to this. But like I said in my original review for um, uh, the other one, I never have liked ventriloquism. I just I didn't like it even as a kid. I thought it was just bizarre. And uh, I don't have anything to say about it. All I know is the, the biggest dummy in this episode is anybody who's watching it, and that includes me. So, obviously, I gave it a zero, and it doesn't even deserve that. Lynn? Okay, and by the way, I want to welcome Felix. Felix is joining us today. Hi, Felix. Good to see you here. And <clears throat> Felix wants to know why there's never any good dummies. <laughs> and it's true. All the dolls, <clears throat> excuse me, all the dolls and dummies in Twilight Zone are usually evil. But he says I remember he's, like the crash test dummies. Yeah. yeah, the crash test dummies. Yeah, yeah, they're good dummies. The crash test dummies. But he said it's a decent episode if you've never seen it before. Um, but it was sheer boredom for any Twilight Zone fan. <clears throat> I agree with you, Felix. Okay, Dave. Yeah, I can't really uh, speak a lot for this one. By the way, the 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 Buffy episode it was it was called the Puppet Show. Yeah, from season uh, one. It was episode nine, uh, Robert. But um, yeah. I can't say a lot about this. It, it, it obviously was done on a real budget. Uh, yeah. In fact, I, I'm, I'm searching around for things to say about it. I mean, Jackie Cooper did uh, a good job. I think the only saving grace with some of these weak stories is has been the fact that they've had, are being blessed with, are lucky there's been fans of the show. Uh, so he's got pretty good um, actors to come on and do these parts and That's basically true. carry very weak stories. Um because uh, I think Jackie Cooper is very visible. And, of course, the newspaper he was the uh, editor of was the Daily Planet. Uh, Thank Lynch. you. I couldn't remember the name. Thanks. Yeah. A <laughs> uh, couple of things. is There was a slight... We've mentioned this before. Uh, Rod Sterling having a little bit of a political bone uh, to pick now and again. Um, I wondered whether that was one of the things where when the uh, guy had gone for a job and it turned out he wasn't yet an American citizen... Uh, and you almost felt as though the person trying to find him a job lost interest when he found out he wasn't an American citizen. Uh, I don't know whether that was supposed to be social commentary of the time uh, or not, uh, or maybe just a, a fact of life at the time. I don't know. Well, I'm surprised. If you didn't have the killer leprechaun, that would have fit right in there. <laughs> um, I, 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 I agree with Lynn that, that little girl was completely obnoxious um, it really just was, smack uh, her. wants to smack her yeah. uh, I'm assuming her mother's run away you know <laughs> can't blame her <laughs> um, uh, I was a little surprised where, where the, where, when the girl uh, overheard them, uh, their auntie reading the newspaper about the you know the crime that had been committed, and she runs out into the to the phone, 
Um, I was surprised she had to put a nickel in the phone to phone the police station. I didn't, unless it's because it wasn't a 911 call. You have to pay to phone uh, yeah, the local police yeah, station. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing is, what an unlikely... did not come into effect until like the 70s. Did it not? Ah, right. Thank you for that. Uh, but I, I was surprised that she had to put a nickel in. But um, the um, the alliance between the dummy and her, I mean, really, it didn't do a, a service. It would have been better, really, if it had been a truculent teenager, you know, uh, maybe a girl of 14 or 15, because... Uh, that little girl, you know, they, they couldn't have gone away t- to New York together. I mean, I doubt she could have left a blooming suitcase. And <laughs> they'd certainly picked, certainly been picked up by the police if they tried to go. I mean, the only way they would have got away with it is, um, you know, if they tried to be um, a couple of short stature, shall we say, with the with the, the puppet trying to be, pass himself off as a human. Um, uh, I, I, so, so it seemed an unlikely alliance. Uh, well, she was going to um, kill her aunt. He talked her into killing her aunt, so she was going to be hauled away anyway before they even started out to New York. Yeah, well, the way you were thinking, Lynn, he should talk to the aunt and got the aunt to... <laughs> 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 I won't say what, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. think... <laughs> tell, tell the girl to suck instead of blow on the uh, yeah. on the dart. Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't a very good book. Jackie Cooper... Hell, my interest, um, and I agree with Felix. If you hadn't seen it before, you'd probably watch it because you thought, "Oh, one I haven't seen before," uh, and it would just about hold your interest for that reason. Uh, I'm going to give it one for story, but I think I'll give it another one for Jackie Cooper, my namesake. So there you go. Oh, and, yeah. um, <laughs> That's right. uh, and the young girl, by the way, um, that 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 played, she changed her name, wasn't it, from Susan. Cupido, Cupido. That's a good name for uh, Valentine's Day, isn't it? Cupido, Cupid. uh, Changed it to Morgan Brittany. Brittany, Uh, yeah. Yeah, sixty-three. She's still alive, and uh, she was in Dallas and a few other things, playing the half sister Mm -hmm. of Pamela Ewing and Cliff Barnes. So, uh, so she went on to have a career. Uh, But uh, yeah, very. And and of course, it was sad that this was again the dummy one that's already been mentioned. That was series three, episode. 98 with Cliff Robertson if anybody wants to check that one yeah. out this one aired right. by the way this one by the way aired in uh, the one we're talking about aired 10th of April uh, 1964 blimey it's a long time ago 51 yep. years yep alright okay can I barge in here for a second uh, I, I think it's horrible whether you've seen it before or not frankly <laughs> if I was captured by ISIS and they were threatening to cut my head off unless I watched it, I would let them cut my head off first. <laughs> right. Well, where I'm coming from with that, and Robert might just uh, agree with me on this a little bit, is if we suddenly found out they'd found a missing Doctor Who episode, a black and white one, uh, we'd watch it, even though it might not be a fantastic story, we'd miss it just because we'd watch it just because it was, you know, yeah. a missing episode we thought we'd never be able to see before. Yeah. Uh, so, just on that basis. Yeah. Okay, Rick. What's that, Caesar? You want me to kill Lynn and Bob? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, let's see. 
What to say that hasn't been said already? Not much. Uh, um, yeah, I'd probably give it a uh, one and a half. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Did you think it was interesting? or? No, yes, it's basically giving it, uh, again, because of the acting. Um, because of the acting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but every I agree with uh, just about what everybody has said so far. Okay, cool. Don't have a heart attack. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> okay, <clears throat> well that brings us. Oh, and Felix gives it a one and a half as well. Thank you, Felix. I appreciate that. And that brings us up to our next episode, which is called the Jeopardy Room. The cast of characters. A cat and a mouse. This is the latter. The intended victim who may or may not know that he is to die, be it by butchery or ballet. His name is Major Ivan Kuchenko. He has, if events go according to certain plans, perhaps three or four more hours of living. But an ignorance shared by both himself and his executioner is of the fact that both of them have taken a first step into the twilight zone. And a brief synopsis here, uh, this guy that's trying to defect, he's a former uh, KGB major named Ivan Kuchenko, and he's trapped inside a hotel room. And Commissar Vasilov, who's a hitman, and Boris, his assistant, they're watching him from a room across the street. Commissar Vasilov is a sadistic killer, and he has tricked Kuchenko into drinking a sleeping potion in the hotel room after pretending to surrender to Kachenko. Kachenko wakes up, and he learns that Fasilov has planted a bomb in the room, and he's got to find it within three hours, or he's going to be shot by Vasilov and Boris, who have a gun trained on him at all times. Vasilov has hidden the bomb in the room's telephone where it will be triggered by picking up an incoming call. Well, Ivan manages to escape and avoid being shot by exiting when the assassins were off guard, when they tried to call him a second time, actually. And then later, Vasilov and Boris enter the room and try to figure out what went wrong. And the phone rings, and Boris, without thinking, the idiot assistant, picks it up. Vasilov, he realizes what's happening and yells at Boris, but the telephone bomb quickly goes off. And on the other end of the phone line is Ivan Kachenko at the airport. And when the operator notifies him of the bad connection, he reassures her that the message was indeed delivered. And as the loudspeaker announces that his plane's about to depart, he walks off to his freedom and the scene cuts off to Vaslov and Boris's charred corpses. Oh, that's how the Jeopardy room ended. And you know what? What a piece of crap. find out that it's a dead lie. It's a piece of crap. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, this was one of the most boring and useless episodes of the series. Yak and yak and yak and yak and more yak. And then a bomb goes off at the end. I mean, what was the Twilight Sentence about that? Or about any of this story for that matter? When the bomb went off in time enough at last, poor Henry Bemis, he was left alone in the vast wasteland, and we cared about him. We cared. We wanted to cry for that poor man. 
I didn't care about any of these people or the story. I mean, this was a piece of crap. Now, I'm glad that Martin Landau went on to bigger and better things. He most certainly did. And he was a fine actor. But the bomb not only went off in the episode, but the whole story was a bomb. That is all I have to say about this one. My rating is a zero, total zero. Thought it was crap. Go ahead, Robert. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is kind of Hitchcockian in a way. You know, they should have just hide on the phone like, look, people, there's the phone. It's in the phone. It's going to go off. You know, stuff like that. But anyway, um, you know, actually, this can make a good Jeffy question. I say, Alex, give me season five, The Twilight Zone for 100. This episode of The Twilight Zone involves Cold War espionage, which was boring (laughs) and had nothing to do with this series. Jeopardy Room. What is Seriously. the Jeopardy Room? It's <laughs> 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 something the espionage story. Come on. This, this, was more, this was more of an Alfred Hitchcock in his series that he ran. There you go. Yeah. There you go. You know, I Spy could have been something like that. And it's a James Bond type episode. Clearly, does not fit the Twilight Zone concept. You know, unfortunately, the best part was the last five minutes. Um, I did like like that part. I mean, clearly it was a morality play, you know, as some Twilight Zone stories were. The two morons thought they were being clever, wanted to die by their own device. Mm-hmm. And the other best part of the episode was, of course, Martin Landau and the way he outsmarted his assassins. Very much Mission Impossible, like, this, you know. Yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah, good, good, yeah. 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 But, um, of course, the most interesting part is the biography of Martin Landau. You know, he appeared in the Twilight Zone Hitchcock movie North by Northwest in 1959. And I mentioned Mission Impossible for a number of years. He played the men of many faces in that series. Um, He also starred in a series called Space 1999, which I liked him in that, and in numerous movies. Um, He won the Academy Award. In 1994, for the movie Ed Wood, portraying Bella Lugosi. Mm-hmm. He was married to co-star Barbara Bain, who was also in Mission Impossible, Space 1999. They were married from 57 to um, 1993. They had two daughters, one, and this one arrested Rick Wall and Dave as well, one of whom is well-known from Buffy the Vampire Slayer Angel TV series. Her name is Juliet Landau, and she played the character Drusilla in that series. That uh, yeah, daughter. yeah, yeah. That is their their daughter there, and he's still acting today at eighty six. So good, good for him. So. But uh, unfortunately, I I give it a one out of five, and okay. basic for Martin Landau and the 
like I said, I did like the last five minutes, but this in no way should have been in the Twilight Zone. It was absolutely should have been a spy series or something. It was more adapted to that. So. I agree. That's it. <laughs> Me. Okay, Bobby. Well, uh, talk about uh, finding something interesting if you've never seen it before. I really didn't remember this at all. I'm not sure that I ever really did see it before because I did not write a review when we got to it at the Twilight Zone group. So a couple of hours ago, I went to IMDb and decided to try to watch it because I figured even if it was as bad as everybody says it is, I could always fast forward through it, and I couldn't even fast forward through it. I started watching it for about a minute and a half, and I fast-forwarded, and then I fast-forwarded again and again and again and again and again, and I wasn't happy till the credits rolled at the end. So I have no idea what happens in this story because I simply couldn't stand to watch it. Um, I didn't write a review, and again, I don't have anything to say about it. And whenever I face that, I always like to go to the Internet Movie Database to see how other people feel about it, to see if I can pick up some hints over there. And uh, believe it or not, this actually gets a 7.8 rating out of 10. Really? Yeah, most people like it, except for two people didn't like it, and one person especially who said exactly what everybody's been saying here about how it's not a Twilight Zone episode. And I'd like to read this paragraph from his review, because it really says it all. I only wish I had written this. He says, It would not be giving too much away to say that the usual mystical frontiers of the Twilight Zone don't concern this tale. There's no magical stopwatch, camera, shoes, piano, car, television, love potion, mystic seer, book, doll, phantom ship, airplane, train, aliens, parallel universe, fourth dimensions, time travel, gremlins, voodoo, witchcraft, little people, giant people, the devil, angels, ghosts, youth elixirs, advanced physics, androids, Telepathy, kinetic powers, genies of the lamp. I think you get the point. Yes, we do get the point. It's none of that stuff is in it, and it's just more of the same. I mean, in a, a Rod Serling, you know, turned the series, uh, tried to turn it into comedy over and over and over again, it didn't work. And in a couple of weeks, as Lynn knows, we're going to get to the Twilight Zone, the musical, and that doesn't work either. And so it's not really surprising to see uh, this ridiculous espionage story where it doesn't belong. I, I really, I, I will always wonder what happened to Rod Serling. I've actually searched the Internet to try to see if there's an opinion from anybody about why the series looks this bad at the end, whether he lost interest in it or he ran out of ideas or he really felt that he needed to change the dynamics of the series to keep People interested? I have no idea, but I'm I'm old school on that. I think if you do something extremely well, you ought to keep doing it. Uh, I hate when people, actors or directors or writers, say that they're bored. They want to get onto something new. You know, you found the right formula. Live with it. Get famous. Get wealthy, and be happy with it. If you, if your thing is doing horror movies, do them. If your thing is doing comedies and you do them and everybody loves them, do them. And Serling should have stayed with what he knew best. And he didn't know it. And that's why we're looking at this. It's a zero, obviously. Lynn? Okay. And, oh, my. Okay. I, I have to say this. Felix wrote in the chat room that he loved the explosion. And he thought the special effects were yep. awesome, the way the telephone exploded. 
And uh, he mentioned also that Landau was the North by Northwest. But he said even though it's definitely not a TZ episode, he gives it a four. So Felix really liked this episode. Okay, Felix, that's cool. That's your opinion. That's awesome. Well, you okay. should go to IMDb and say it there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he liked the episode and he gave it a four. Thank you, Felix. I appreciate that. Okay, Dave. Well, I've sort of got more to say about this one, and, and, and maybe this one gets a little bit more uh, of a light from me uh, in comparison to the last one. So, you know, it, uh, you know, it fares better of the two. Um, uh, series 5, episode 149, this was 17th of April, 64. Um, it was obviously a very poor inf- uh, imitation of the obsolete man, because the obsolete man had the... Uh, this same scenario, didn't they? Of the, the the man locked in the room, uh, with with death coming up upon him. Oh yeah, uh, and he wants want the explosion. Yeah. Yeah. So well, well, the Burgess Meredith character and so on. So I mean, th- that was obviously a far superior episode. So when you put it up against that, then this is a pale imitation. I, I understand that. Uh, it is more of a crime. It's definitely out of genre, as Bobby said. Um, but I would say, actually, the, the chap who played the uh, Commissioner Vasilov, um, I think he would have made a, a good, uh, not a Bond villain, but a Bond, you know when Bond has this sort of Russian counterpart, you know, he Bond's a spy for the for the UK, and okay. then he meets his, his, sometimes he has to deal with his Russian counterpart because there's something going on with Smirsh or Spectre or something like that. This bloke would have made a good Russian uh, person in a Bond film, uh, really, uh, almost a pity he didn't get to play that sort of character. That's John Van Dreeland. Dr- uh, but again, uh, the episode had Martin Lando, didn't have the chance to act and perform as well as um, Jackie Cooper did in the last episode because he wasn't given that. Again, some oddities for me, um, but I will agree with Felix. I thought that the, we actually saw the explosion coming towards us thought that was a good bit of CGI for the time and uh, you know they didn't there was look no out of that thing as CGI. Sorry? There was no such thing as CGI back then. Well the effect then the effect however it was created um was were, was you know better than I would have expected it to be and they didn't they didn't sort of cut away from it they didn't just go with a fade out with a bang uh, they actually showed the explosion coming towards you, whether it was by uh, you know running two two films together and uh, mapping one over the other or whatever F they they did. A couple of things that they kept saying, uh, the Martin Landon said uh, we're under surveillance. I don't know what the word surveillance is. I've heard of surveillance. I don't know whether they got that wrong. And they kept going on, and that really annoyed me. He said I brought a good bottle of wine. But uh-huh. unless, unless he pronounced it wrong, I'm sure he said uh, Montelado, which is a sherry. It is a fortified wine of sorts, but it's really sherry, um, which was um, it was annoying me. I thought, well, is it now, a Dave, different wine? Now, that's something you know. You know your wine. <laughs> um, you know I your think, wine. <laughs> I, th- I think... Um, uh, I think it was uh, the, when he was phoning up at the end. Um, I think the Martin Landau character missed uh, the line. Could have been better. He should have said um, when the operator said, "I can't connect you." He should have said, um, "I think they got the message." That would have been a better ending. Um, but it was no obsolete man. Uh, it was again re 
a rehashing done on the cheap. Uh, the other thing that saved it, again, was reasonably good um, uh, people playing the parts. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, I'm, I'm very, I don't know what to do with this. Cause I, I suppose I can give it two and a half, because I have to give it half, at least half more than the other one, even even though the acting was a little bit better than in the first one, simply because there was more to comment on here. But... Um, I did like that 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 actor playing the uh, the, the Russian commissioner Voslov because he had what we came to expect with Bond villains, you know, this little bit of panache. You know, he's got this grubby gunman looking at the windows with binoculars and that, and he's drinking what we can only assume is Earl Grey tea, uh, you know, and yawning at the sort of you know all the dirty all the dirty details of killing. He like he liked the art of it, you know the. Uh, the 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 artistry of it right but it but it was it it was a poor imitation it was um a tired a tired company producing this uh work mm-hmm. but i'll give it two and a half okay well see now they and should I, consult you with the wine <laughs> anything to do with wine they should consult you dave because you're the expert on that i think, think that um in mission impossible Martin Landau's character's name was Roland, I think, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. Sounds familiar, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, Rick, what do you have to say here? I kind of actually liked it. Uh, I'd give it a three. Uh, I thought Landau was the best thing of it, but um, it kept my interest, believe it or not. Uh, Did you think it was Twilight Zone-ish, though? No, it wasn't. It, I wouldn't have made it a Twilight Zone. I might have. Uh, uh, I don't even know if it would fit in Night Gallery, but um, you know, as, as an episode, I liked it. Um, um, mm-hmm. As an episode of Twilight Zone, well, all right, yeah, you guys, I uh, agree with you. It didn't, doesn't belong as a Twilight Zone episode, but personally, I liked it. Uh, okay. I, uh, I kind of like um, um, spy stuff, and even if it is bad. <laughs> <laughs> so. What's your rating then? I said three. Three. All right. Cool. Well, I think if it was in a different series, I think maybe. Rating my rating probably would have been a little more different. Maybe yeah. it would have been a two or three, something like that. If it was yeah. in a different series, yeah. it just didn't didn't fit into the series. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely didn't fit in. But okay, so uh, we're across the board on that one. And uh, let me see with with um, Caesar and me, we we're almost all in in agreement, pretty much, and we're across the board on this one. Because Felix is a four, and Rick gives it a three, and Dave gave it a two and a half, and Robert, you gave it a one and a half? No, I, I gave it a one. A one? Um, I gave it a zero. Bobby gave it a zero. Okay. So we're across the board on that one, <clears throat> which is awesome. I like it when it is across the board like that. And then we are looking at our next episode. Uh, which is going to be two weeks from now on February 28th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. 
stopped over in a quiet town. And that is going to get its own show because uh, that's actually probably the last really good, decent episode of the series, in my opinion, a lot of people's opinion. Um, So that's going to get its own show. And that will be two weeks from now on February 28th, as I said, at 5 p.m. So I do hope to see all of you here. Uh, welcome guest seven, welcome guest eight. I hope that you, I, I, sorry I didn't see when you tuned in, but I hope you tuned in early enough to hear most of the show. But if not, stop in again a couple weeks from now because we're going to have a really good show to discuss then. And I want to, again, wish everybody a happy Valentine's Day and happy Valentine's night. And I hope you all stay warm, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks, okay? Bye. See you, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.